Bibles this evening, 2 Samuel chapter number 16. 2 Samuel chapter number 16, when we turn our Bibles to 2 Samuel 16, we really are turning to one of the very lowest moments in David's life. Uh, his son Absalom has rebelled against him, and tonight I'm going to preach this message, David and the Lying, Cursing Traitors. It sounds encouraging, doesn't it? And uh, I'll just tell you right now, there's a lot of heartbreak in the 16th chapter of 2 Samuel, but there's also a lot of hope. And as we study this passage of Scripture, we're going to find out, though David doesn't necessarily know it during the text, uh, it's not quite as bad as he, uh, as he thinks it is. And there's hope. There's always hope. And uh, as I was thinking about this message, if I could summarize uh, its application, I guess I'd say it like this. Uh, most of the time when we think we're dealing with lying, cursing traitors, though we probably are, it's not as bad as we imagine it to be. How many of you have imagined something to be far worse than it actually was? And uh, that happens, doesn't it? And the other part is, if it is as bad as you think or even worse, I'll just remind you something, God's on the throne and there's always hope for God's people. And God is moving and working, and tonight I'll share with you David and the lying, cursing traitors. If you'll follow along with me, I'll read this chapter of God's Word to you. Second Samuel chapter 16, and beginning in verse number 1. Second Samuel 16, verse 1, the Bible says, And when David was a little past the top of the hill, behold, Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, met him with a couple of asses saddled and upon them 200 loaves of bread and a hundred bunches of raisins and a hundred of summer fruits and a bottle of wine. And the king said unto Ziba, What meanest thou by these? And Ziba said, The asses be for the king's household to ride on and the bread and summer fruit for the young men to eat and the wine that such as be faint in the wilderness may drink. And the king said, and where is thy master's son? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he abideth at Jerusalem. For he said, Today shall the house of Israel restore me the kingdom of my father. Then said the king to Ziba, Behold, thine are all that pertaineth unto Mephibosheth. And Ziba said, I humbly beseech thee that I may find grace in thy sight, my lord, O king. Verse 5. And when king David came to Bahurim, behold, thence came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera. He came forth and cursed still as he came. And he cast stones at David and at all his, the servants of King David. And all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. And thus said Shimei when he cursed Come out, come out, thou bloody man, and thou man of Belial. The Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose stead thou hast reigned. And the Lord hath delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom thy son. And behold, thou art taken in thy mischief, because thou art a bloody man. Then said Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, unto the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over, I pray thee, and take off his head. And the king said, What have I to do with you, ye sons of Zeruiah? So let him curse. Because the Lord hath said unto him, Curse David. Who shall then say, Wherefore hast thou done so? And David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold, my son, which came forth of my bowels, seeketh 
my life, how much more now may this Benjamite do it? Let him alone, let him curse, for the Lord hath bidden him. It may be that the Lord will look on mine affliction and that the Lord will requit me good for his cursing this day. And as David and his men went by the way, Shimei went along on the hillside over against him and cursed as he went and threw stones at him and cast dust. And the king and all the people that were with him came weary and refreshed themselves there. And Absalom, verse 15, And all the people, the men of Israel, came to Jerusalem, and Ahithophel with him. And it came to pass when Hushai, the archite, David's friend, was come unto Absalom, that Hushai said unto Absalom, God save the king, God save the king. And Absalom said to Hushai, Is this thy kindness to thy friend? Why wentest thou not with thy friend? And Hushai said unto Absalom, Nay, but whom the Lord and this people and all the men of Israel choose, his will I be, and with him will I abide. And again, whom should I serve? Should I not serve in the presence of his son, as I have served in thy father's presence? So will I be in thy presence. Verse 20. Then said Absalom to Ahithophel, Give counsel among you what we shall do. And Ahithophel said unto Absalom, Go in unto thy father's concubines, which he hath left to keep the house, and all Israel shall hear that thou art abhorred of thy father. Then shall the hands of all that are with thee be strong. So they spread Absalom a tent upon the top of the house, and Absalom went in unto his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. And the counsel of Ahithophel, which he counseled in those days, was as if a man had inquired at the oracle of God. So was all the counsel of Ahithophel, both with David and with Absalom. Now, we can break this passage of Scripture into three parts. That's what we're going to do today. The first part is Zeba. Zeba is the main character of the first four verses. The second part is Shimei, who's the character of verses 5 to 14. And the third is Ahithophel for the remainder of the chapter. And when we break it into these three parts, we're going to see some things that are really sad. And I'd like to try to tell you the story of chapter number 16. I know that a lot of the names can kind of get confusing and get mixed up. But I think it's important, and God has put it in his word, and there's some things here that are no doubt be a help to us. The first person I want to talk to you about is Zeba. Old Zeba. Zeba is the servant of King Saul. Zeba is uh, one of the only servants that are of Saul that is left that we know of. And Zeba is the guy that when uh, David had in his heart to find somebody of the house of Saul that he could show his kindness to. It was Zeba who said, hey, listen, Saul, I know of one child, one person that is a lame man who, we can, who you can show your kindness to. His name is Mephibosheth. And so Zeba goes and gets Mephibosheth. Zeba comes back to the presence of King David and brings Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth is restored and he's given a, a land that belonged to Saul and he's blessed and David insists, we've studied it already, insists over and over again that Mephibosheth, the lame man, uh, King Saul's grandson, is Jonathan's son, King Saul's grandson, uh, will be at David's table eating. The story of Mephibosheth is wonderful. And Mephibosheth is proves to be a godly person, but in the first four verses of 2 Samuel chapter 16, Zeba 
when Absalom has rebelled and everything's up in the air, Ziba does something very, 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 very bad. Ziba comes to King David with a load of food and fruit and tells David that Mephibosheth has turned against him. We'll look at the, these first four verses. And we come to the very beginning of David and the lying, cursing traitors. We begin with Zeba, the liar, lying Zeba. And the Bible says in verse 1, when David was a little past the top of the hill, behold, Zeba, the servant of Mephibosheth, met him with a couple of asses saddled upon them 200 loaves of bread and 100 bunches of raisins and 100 summer fruits and a bottle of wine. The king said to Zeba, What meanest thou by these? He he says, what in the world are you doing here with all this? Uh, why, are you, why have you brought this? Why do you carry to me uh, Mephibosheth's possessions? Why do you have all this? And the Bible says that Zeba said, the asses be for the king's household to ride on, and the bread and summer fruit for the young men to eat, and the wine that such as be faint in the wilderness may drink. And the king said, and where's thy master? He said, where's Mephibosheth? And Zeba said unto the king, behold, he abideth at Jerusalem, for he said, Today shall the house of Israel restore me the kingdom of my father. Now, Zeba tells David that he stayed in Israel because he is going to be a confederate with Absalom. I'm going to just tell you right now. It's one of those situations where David has come to a place in his position where it's an occasion that people will rise up against him. But Mephibosheth. It's like if anybody in the world would have stayed on my side, if anybody in the world would have kept and continued to have my back, if anybody in the world would have allied with me, would have loved me and been faithful to me, surely it would be Mephibosheth. And Zeba comes and tells David, David, Mephibosheth, your servant, he's turned his back on you. And I'm not going to stand for it. I'm not going to put up with it. All the while, Zeba's lying trying to get credibility with David and, Mephib and slandering Mephibosheth. And all the while, you can watch David's demeanor go right down the tubes. Right down the tubes. You see, when he's dealing with Zeba, Zeba the liar, his heart is broken. And David does something that we're tempted to do when things get very emotional. Look what the Bible says in uh, verse number 4. Then said the king to Zeba, he's just heard this news of Mephibosheth's betrayal, which is a lie. And the king says to Zeba, the liar, Behold, thine are all that pertained unto Mephibosheth. What does David say? David says, Forget Mephibosheth. Goodness. After all I've done for that boy, forget Mephibosheth. And he says, Zeba, you can have everything that belongs to Mephibosheth. When I'm back to being the king, it's all yours. Forget Mephibosheth. Man, I can't believe that he's betrayed me like that. And Zeba Look what he says in verse number 4. I humbly beseech thee that I may find grace in thy sight, my Lord, O king. <laughs> Old Zeba. I don't know about you. When I read this passage of scripture, I can't stand what Zeba's doing. I want you to see what really happened. It's kind of fun to see what really happened. If you keep your finger in 2 Samuel 16 and turn over just a few pages to 2 Samuel number 19, there's going to come a day in the very near future that David and Mephibosheth meet back up. 
David and Mephibosheth meet back up. And for some time now, David is still convinced that uh, Mephibosheth has betrayed him, has rebelled against him, has turned to be with Absalom. And the Bible gives us some insight into what really happened. Verse 24 of 2 Samuel chapter number 19. Look what the Bible says. And Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king, David. And had neither dressed his feet, nor trimmed his beard, nor washed his clothes from the day the king departed until the day he came again in peace. The Bible gives this picture that Mephibosheth has been mourning the fact that David is gone. He's not washed, he's not cleaned himself. I don't recommend that when you're mourning, but that's what Mephibosheth chose to do. The Bible says in verse 25, It came to pass when he was come to Jerusalem to meet the king, that the king said unto him, Wherefore wentest not thou with me, Mephibosheth? David says, Why have you betrayed me? Verse 26, He answered, My lord, O king, my servant Ziba deceived me. For thy servant said, I will saddle me an ass that I may ride thereon and go to the king because thy servant is lame. And he hath slandered thy servant unto my lord the king. But my Lord the King is as an angel of God. Do therefore what is good in thine eyes. Mephibosheth said, said King David. Ziba said, I'm going to go and saddle an ass for you. I'm going get to the, get the donkeys ready so I can ride you to see David and you can pledge your support. And while I, he was getting, while he was gone to get the donkeys saddled, he said, he said, he left. And he slandered me before you, O king. He said, but I want you to know something. As I see you right now, I see you as an angel of God. He says, I'm so happy to see you. Verse 28, he says, for all of my father, Mephibosheth, says, for all of my father's house were but dead men before my lord the king. Yet didst thou set thy servant among them that did eat at thine own table. What right, therefore, have I yet to cry any more unto thee, king? And the king said unto him, Why speakest thou any more of thy matters? I have said thou and, and Zeba divide the land. He said, he said Oh, no, Zeba has a, I gave Zeba all your possessions. <laughs> and he says, But I think I can come back and, and y- y'all can divide it. And verse 30, And Mephibosheth said unto the king, Yea, let him take it all. For as much as my Lord the King is come again in peace unto his own house. Now, when we come to this first part of chapter number 16 and we talk about Zeba, sure enough, Zeba is a liar. He's a liar. And sure enough, David's heart is broken and David overreacts in a big way because of an emotional moment. Let me park here for just a second. If you find yourself in a very emotional situation, maybe you're angry. Maybe you're sad. Maybe you're going through some grief, which is natural, and we all do at certain times in our lives. I want to encourage you to do something. Don't be so foolish as to make big decisions when you're dealing with big emotions. You watch folks make the most terrible decisions. And then you watch stubbornness rise up. Some folks, once they've made a decision, they've made a decision. But if you've made a poor decision, you ought to have the grace. You ought to have the humility to say, you know what, I made a big mistake. And David backtracks on his decision in a time of, uh, of great emotion. And we learn from this passage of Scripture. But when we first see Zeba, I want you to think about this, the whole of chapter number 16. David and the lying, cursing traitors. David's heart is broken. Now, when you're dealing with folks who break your heart, I want to encourage you to do something. You keep trusting in the Lord. You know that there's a possibility when you get the worst of news that you've been betrayed. 
the worst of news that you've been uh, done dirty and wrong, you remember that it is a strong possibility that you don't know all the facts. How many of you have ever been really upset about something? And when it all came together, you realized, oh, man, I didn't know all the facts. How many of you ever dealt with that? And uh, we need to know that we can wait on the Lord, trust the Lord. David and lying, cursing traitors. David and Zeba. Zeba is a terrible liar. And Mephibosheth was never a traitor at all. But we watch David and his emotions. So he deals with this. Number one, Zeba. Number two, Shimei. Now, Shimei is an interesting character. Shimei, to me, if I'm just closing my eyes and imagining who Shimei is, the first person I see is Ernest T. Bass. How many of you know who I'm talking about? Yeah. The first person I see is Ernest T. Bass because he's throwing rocks. And the second person I see is, a, is we mix Ernest T. Bass with the grouchiest old man you've ever seen in your life. He is just cantankerous, ill-tempered, rah, rah, rah. How many of you ever been around somebody that they growl and fuss all the time? How many of you been around somebody like that? Don't call their names and don't point fingers. But we know these folks exist. There, there are folks in my world that... I'm telling you, every time you see them, they're fussing and growling and griping about something. It's almost like they can't even talk unless they're complaining and growling and griping. And that's who Shimei is. Now, I want you to meet Shimei. Look at this guy. And this is what David's dealing with. At a moment in David's life when he's already lower in a snail's belly, he's having to deal with people like Zeba. He's having to deal with the thoughts of Mephibosheth betraying him. He's having to deal with Shimei. How many of you ever felt like when you got one thing piled on you, you got a dozen things piled on you? I used to joke. I still do joke. I, say, I used to say, if it's not one thing, it's another. Now I say, if it's not one thing, it's a dozen. And it's creeping up on me all the time. And that's where David is right now. And Shimei, what a pain Shimei is. Look, the Bible says, verse 5, And when King David came to Behurim, behold, thence came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei. So we get a little bit of insight. He's of the house of Saul. He's the guy who has not gotten over the fact that David is the new rightful king. And Shimei wrongfully is holding David accountable for Saul's death. And Shimei... The Bible says in verse 5 that Shimei, the son of Gera, came forth and cursed still as he came. And so you can imagine this picture. You can see David coming from a distance and Shimei has enough, he sees down the road. And this mixture between a grouchy old man and Ernest T. Bass, he sees it from a distance. And as soon as he thinks there's any chance that David can hear his voice, he starts cursing David. The Bible says he cursed him as he came. If you look in verse number... Da, 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 Verse number uh, 13, the Bible says of Shimei that he cursed him as he went. So this is Shimei. Shimei curses him as he's coming. Shimei curses him to his back as he's going past and leaving. Shimei, oh, what a pain. Shimei is a loud, boisterous, opinionated pinhead who only knew part of the story. And he is griping and growling and complaining. And listen to him. The Bible says that he cursed still as he came. Verse number 6. And he cast stones at David and at all the servants of King David. And all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. And thus said Shimei when he cursed, Come out, come out, thou bloody man and thou man of Belial. Now, what's he say? He says, you have got the blood of Saul, my king, on your hand. 
Come out, thou bloody man. Verse number 8, the Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul. You know what he's saying? He's like, ha, 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 Absalom's turned against you, and you're getting what you deserve. Now, what Shimei is saying is a half-truth. Do you remember what God said to David? When David had sinned with Bathsheba and David had been held responsible for murdering uh, Uriah the Hittite, what did God say? God said, the blood of this situation is never going to leave your house. But Shimei, he's wrong because he's blaming David for killing Saul. And no doubt in David's heart, he's hearing something that's partially true. He's hearing something that is partially he's partially guilty of. So the story continues. This Shimei keeps yelling and cursing. He says in verse number 8, The Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose stead thou hast reigned. And the Lord hath delivered the kingdom in the hand of, uh, into the hand of Absalom thy son. And behold, thou art taken in thy mischief, because thou art a bloody man. Oh, man, he's rotten. He's rotten. And David is battling. He's battled with Ziba. He's battled with the betrayal of somebody he should, that should have never turned his back on him. He's battling his heart about Mephibosheth has betrayed me. And now he's battling his heart. He says, I've done wrong in the past and I'm caused, I've really, I'm really guilty. I've caused a lot of this grief. I've caused a lot of this trouble. But what this man Shimei is saying is not completely true. Can, you can just see him. I can watch him going, oh, no. The Bible says in verse 9, I like Abishai. The Bible says in verse 9, Then said Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, unto the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? He says, Let me go over, I pray thee, and take off his head. Do you know why Abishai wanted to take off his head? Because you can't curse if you don't have a head. I like the spirit of Abishai. <laughs> I can't recommend it. But I was like, I'm going to cut off this dead dog's head. He shouldn't talk to you like that. But look what the king says, verse number 10. You see, earlier in the same chapter, he makes a poor decision and reacts. This time, he actually responds the right way. The Bible says in verse number 10, the king said, What have I to do with you, ye sons of Zeruiah? He says, Abishai, you know, you're not thinking right. He says, let, just, So let him curse. The Lord hath said unto him, Curse David. Who shall then say, wherefore hast thou done so? So he's like, he's like, just let him curse. Who knows, maybe the Lord has sent him to curse me today. Maybe the Lord sent him to say something that might help me. I want to learn something about dealing with life. If you've got critics, and most of us do, you don't need to learn. We need to learn to listen to our critics to a certain extent. We get to the place where we're so self-righteous and so determined that what we do and say is so right that when we have critics that rise up, we won't listen to somebody that has good, helpful criticism in our lives, even if it's done in the wrong spirit. I like the spirit of David here. He takes a minute, and he's not going to be deterred. He's not going to quit fighting for the cause. He's not going to quit living for God. But he's going to take a minute, and he's going to let this guy speak. He says, perhaps God has given him something to say. I need to hear. The Bible says in verse 11, David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold, my son, which came forth of my bowels. He says, he's talking about Abishai. He says, in light of this Shimei, the cursor, he says, uh, Absalom, my son, which came forth of my bowels, seeketh my life. How much more now may this Benjamite do it? He says, this, this 
cursing Benjamite, Shimei. He can't hurt me any worse than my son has. Let him alone. Let him curse. For the Lord hath bidden him. And David tells us a couple things here. shows One, we should listen to what our critics say in case there's some credibility to it. And I've listened to folks who've been critical of me before, and I've realized, hey, man, they've got something to say that's right, and I need to make an adjustment, and that's good and fine. But he also has wisdom to pass over a matter. You know it's possible to squish a bug, right? How many of you have ever squished a, a lightning bug? Ever squished a lightning bug? I used to catch lightning bugs when I was a kid. But even when I was a kid, I quit. You know why? Because they made my hands stink. How many of you ever uh, caught a lightning bug and a handful of lightning bugs? And things reek. They're stinky. And there have been a few times when I would squish stink bugs. How many of you ever squished a stink bug? They get their name rightfully you squish a stink bug you know i don't squish them anymore Uh, it's just not worth it you remember this story i've told it to you before but david exemplifies this there was a wildlife photographer taking pictures of wildlife in yellowstone park and he found the perfect place to get good pictures of wildlife and its natural habitat. Someone had left a bag of trash, picnic trash, sitting out, and he set up over the trash bag so he could get pictures of wildlife. In just a little while, a skunk come waddling up. Have you ever seen a skunk walk? I've seen some just here lately for the first time. The skunk came waddling up, and the skunk began to eat out of the trash bag. Here in a little bit, the grizzly bear had caught a whiff of the glorious trash and he'd made his way to the trash bag too. And he got ready to eat in the trash bag, but the skunk, every time he got close, the little skunk would curl up on his head and threaten to spray him. The bear mm, growling back up. Finally, as the wildlife photographer watched this happen, eventually the grizzly bear, having never touched the trash, just decided to leave. Now, I want to ask you a question. If a grizzly bear gets in a fight with a skunk, who wins? The grizzly bear every time, no questions asked. But when we look at that grizzly bear, he had enough sense to understand the high cost of getting even. Let me tell you, David could have had Abishai cut off Shimei's head, but what's the use in getting even with a loud-mouthed, grouchy old man that looks like Ernest T. Bass. There's no good reason to do it. It's wise to pass over. The Bible says a wise man will pass over certain things and just say, forget it. Let him curse. Let him curse. David's dealing with lying, cursing traitors. And in Shimei's case, he says, you know, just let him go. Let him curse. He takes what good he can get out of a bad situation and he just moves on and you're going to see that God is going to bless him. The Bible continues in verse number 12. Here's David's perspective. He says, just let him curse. It may be that the Lord will look on mine affliction and that the Lord will requit me good for his cursing this day. He says, look, I need the Lord's blessing and I'm not going to answer this guy blood for blood. Rottenness for rotten. He says, I'm just going to let the Lord take care of him. Boy, that's a great spirit. It's a hard spirit to have, especially when you're deeply hurt. But if you'll let God take control of your battles, you'll find out when you're dealing like David with lying, cursing traitors, if you'll let God deal with your battles and take uh, 
charge and you'll let God have his way and you'll determine that I'm just going to give this to God and see what God can do with it. I'll just tell you, you'll be glad you did. He's faithful. He's faithful. You see, we see Zeba lying Zeba. We see Shimei cursing Shimei. And finally, we're going to look at Hithophel, Ahithophel, the traitor. Let me tell you a little about Hithophel. Ahithophel was actually one of David's advisors. And he was a trusted advisor to David. David probably should have known something about Ahithophel because Ahithophel had direct relations to Bathsheba. And there's evidence here that Ahithophel has some bitterness in his heart towards David over the whole deal with Bathsheba. And Ahithophel becomes a number one counselor to Absalom, David's son. The Bible says in our text, back to verse number 15, And it came to pass when Hushai, the archite, David's friend, was come unto Absalom, that Hushai said unto Absalom, God save the king, God save the king. When we start to talk about Hithophel, we need to know about somebody else, Hushai. Hushai. Now, Hushai is an interesting guy. If you like spies and and, uh, traitors and uh, that type of scenario, this is what we've got. Hushai is a spy for King David. Hushai is actually David's friend. And Hushai is going to go in and he's going to play like he's Absalom's ally and he's going to be used of the Lord to overturn Ahithophel's, ultimately overturn Ahithophel's council. But we see Hushai here. He introduces himself to the king and the king, I mean not the king, but to Absalom. And Absalom says, you know, what have you turned your back on my on my dad? And um, Hushai says, I'm going to serve whoever's the king in Israel. And uh, we see Hushai setting himself up. Verse number 20, look at it. Then said Absalom to Hithophel, Give counsel among you what we shall do. Ahithophel said unto Absalom, Go in unto thy father's concubines, which he hath left to keep the house. And all Israel shall hear that thou art abhorred of thy father. Then shall the hands of all that are with thee be strong. So they spread Absalom a tent upon the top of the house, and Absalom went in unto his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. And the counsel of Ahithophel, which he counseled in those days, was as if a man had inquired at the oracle of God. So was all the counsel of Ahithophel, both with David and with Absalom. And we finally move to our third character, Ahithophel. Now, Ahithophel is bad news. You know, we've got to be careful who we get counsel from. Ahithophel, in this moment, we have this record, and Ahithophel does something that is very egregious. Now, in the matter of eastern kings at this time, it was something, if one king conquered another nation, that king would take possession of all that the other king had, including often his harem. Now, in Absalom's case... David had left 10 of his concubines, which he shouldn't have had in the first place, but he left 10 of his concubines in Israel to take care of David's house while David is gone in the wilderness. And so Ahithophel says, I'll tell you what you need to do. If you want to show the nation of Israel that you are determined and you are the rightful king, and you're the king, the new king of Israel, what you need to do is before the whole nation, you need to take and you need to go into go in unto all of your father's concubines. Isn't that wicked? It's awful. 
And so Ahithophel says, you need to go into all the ten concubines. He says, and what we'll do, just so everybody will know it, we're going to put it on Facebook. No, they didn't have Facebook. So what they did is they went to the top of the house, the same place that David looked over and saw Bathsheba from. They take and set up a tent on the top of the house, and there Absalom, David's own son, commits this atrocity with David's ten concubines. And he declares himself, I'm ruler, I'm burning all the bridges, I'm going to take over, I'm the new king, forget David. And Ahithophel gives this counsel. Not only does he give this counsel, but look what the Bible says about Ahithophel's counsel, verse 23. And the counsel of Ahithophel, which he counseled in those days, was as if a man had inquired at the oracle of God. Basically all that means is when whatever Ahithophel said, for those days, the people and Absalom, they dis, dis, determined that it was as good as the word of God. Isn't that awful? I mean, everybody, they thought, wow, Ahithophel is the greatest thing ever. The same guy who just encouraged a man's son to take over his ten concubines, Ahithophel, the whole world thought, man, anything this guy says is like the word of God. I look and I see and I consider word of this coming to King David and Zeba was a blow. Mephibosheth was a blow. Shimei was a blow. Ahithophel, Absalom, it was all a blow to David. At this moment in David's life, if you were to describe David, this is an inferior way to do it, but he was beat down. He was at the bottom of the barrel. He was as low as it seems a person could go. But something we know that at this moment David didn't know. Something we know at this moment David didn't know. The whole thing with Mephibosheth was not true. Something we know that David doesn't know is that God... He's going to bless him. God's going to restore him. And all the fussing that Shimei is doing, all the cursing that Shimei is doing, it's not true. Something we know that David doesn't know is that ultimately Absalom is going to be defeated. The council of Ahithophel is going to fall. And David is going to be restored again as the king of Israel. And what that reminds me of is this. When you get in a situation in your life and it happens where it seems like every possible variable is going against you, every possible ally you've ever had is going in the wrong way, and you've got people all around you lying, cursing, traitors, you remember something. God's not dead. There's still hope. There's still reason to trust. David writes a number of psalms in this low time in his life and one of them we find in psalm 63 maybe you'll could turn there with me psalm 63 psalm 63 in the midst of all this grief in the midst of all this burden we watch david day after day getting help and victory from the lord and he writes about it all these psalms are rich with help Psalm 63 is one of my favorite passages in the Bible to preach. I'll show you just a few things. 
In Psalm 63, imagine David's heart. He's been dealt all this bad news with Zeba, Mephibosheth, Shimei, Ahithophel. Oh God, Psalm 63, 1, oh God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with morrow and fatness. And my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. Because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. But those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for foxes. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone that sweareth by him shall glory. But the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. What did David determine? David determined, I'm just going to keep trusting the Lord. I'm going to keep trusting the Lord. I'm going to plan on the fact that God is going to be good to me. I'm going to keep trusting the Lord. He says, I know something to be true in verse 11. The king, he says, my, me, the king, shall rejoice in God. The king shall rejoice in God. God, you're going to take care of this. And I don't know about you, but there's no doubt you find yourself in times where it just seems like everything is going the wrong way. David was there. But when everything was going the wrong way, instead of throwing up his hands and cursing God and giving up, he just kept trusting the Lord. He kept trusting the Lord. And we know the end of the story. We know the end of the story. We know that God restores David as the king of Israel. We know that God, in spite of David's wickedness and sinfulness, God will use him and use his heritage and his seed to bring to us the greatest treasure the world's ever known, our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. He keeps trusting the Lord and it pays off. And by the way, we have the same promise. We have the same promise. Don't give up on the child of God. Don't give up on the Lord. Don't quit trusting. Just know that God will be faithful, even when you're dealing with lying, cursing, traitors. Let's pray.